set a vision, make it clear, and flood yourself with belief. And the way you do that is by writing it down, saying it to yourself like a crazy person, doing guided visualizations, all that stuff. I believe in that, that like no other. So do that, um, make it something you really want, do that, and then and then take action. But the action's gonna come. If you do that enough, you're almost like inadvertently gonna take the actions. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. My guest today is currently a sales executive at Microsoft and a gold member of the Untap Your Sales Potential coaching program. He's had an unconventional journey into tech sales, going from zero experience in the industry directly into an enterprise sales role. Since then, he's consistently been a top performer, has cemented himself as an expert in AI for sales professionals, and is all around one of the most inspiring sales professionals I've ever met. Introducing Daniel Bordansky. Daniel, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It's great for you to be here. Um, you know, when I think about stellar success stories in the Untap Your Sales Potential Coaching Program, you're one of the best and you're one that consistently comes up and pops up. And you've had this very unconventional story in terms of how you got into sales. Not only did you start out in marketing, but you also transitioned from marketing with zero experience directly into an enterprise level selling role. Tell the people, how the heck did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one quick correction: I actually didn't get into enterprise selling. I'm in mid market or what's considered mid market at Microsoft. So there, I mean, I have customers that do anywhere from 500 million to six billion in revenue. So still big companies, but not quite in the enterprise space. But um, everybody kind of I work with on my team has around like you know 15, 20 years of sales experience. So um, definitely was a was a change, but. Um, well, I guess I also want to say thank you for all the kind words because I feel like <laughs> me hearing that's kind of a little bit, um, uh, is it a lot to live up to? That's all I could say. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, to, in terms of my journey, uh, yeah, I was in marketing my whole career. So I, I've kind of started out um, in college in an internship uh, where I was doing digital marketing, like working as a consultant for Microsoft and then kind of moved into the marketing space, building marketing campaigns. And I was always behind a computer, behind a spreadsheet, you know, building emails, copy, things like that. And I knew I always wanted more. I was like, man, this is, this is killing me, honestly. Um, and then one day I happened to go out to dinner with one of my wife's customers. Um, so her clients, she was a hairdresser in Seattle and her wife, uh, the client's husband, uh, we went out with him and he was, uh, he was in sales. Mm. So we were kind of out and he, he kept going on his phone and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm working a deal. He was like this slick dude. He's like, I'm working a deal. I'm working and, a deal. Yeah. He was working a deal. Like in the middle of the night, I'm just like, man, what does this guy do? And he ultimately told me he worked in sales at Microsoft and started telling me about it, started telling me about like what his day to day looks like, how much money he makes. And after that day, I was like, my God, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong space for mm -hmm. sure. And so I was already at Microsoft just in marketing and I just, you know, set a goal. I was like, all right, I'm going to get into sales at Microsoft. Like I'm already at Microsoft. Um, there's a way I can do it. And I've been big into visualization and uh, manifestation. I've achieved like several goals in that way, you know, just setting it, seeing it, continuously repeating it. And I've had crazy stuff like that happen. So I just believed hundred percent I could do it. And took me two years, but I did it. And I landed in exactly the role that I was aspiring to. So congratulations. Um, amazing that you were able to do that, but your approach to doing it, I think needs to be shared because it was, it was very tactical. Uh, honestly, when you break down how you went about, it's not like you just thought about it and it happened. Right. There was a lot right. of tactics and, and intention behind how you approach that. So give us a, a sneak peek into kind of what your process was from day one of realizing that, okay, I want to get in this job to then eventually having it. What was the process that you went through? Sure. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a big misconception, I think, with like the manifestation, like visualization, community, law of attraction, like, you know, make the vision clear and just see it, feel it, feel it, and then it'll come to you. But there's like, that's the first piece, like make the vision really clear in terms of what you want. So I got really clear on what I wanted. I wanted to make us X amount of money. I wanted to be in a specific role selling a specific product that I thought I had experience with that kind of gave me some leverage into how I can get in. But then after that, it's like, all right, how are we going to go do it? And what I did was um, I, I sell business applications at Microsoft. So CRM ERP. And I went on LinkedIn and I found everybody that was already selling business applications at Microsoft. And I went and I made a list of all those sellers and I reached out to them in just a super humble way saying, Hey, I, you know, took a look at your experience. This was genuine. Like I saw their experience. I, you know, admired their journey and I would love to just understand what their life looks like in sales. Cause that's my goal at one point. And I just reached out with that note, like super short and just like a sales cycle, like, you know, people aren't going to respond. You might have to follow up. Um, and ultimately I landed a bunch of meetings and just connected with them, built a relationship, just like talked to them. Like you and I are talking, you know, how, how's life? Like, what's that look like? You know, here's how I'm thinking about it. Like, what do you, what do you, what would you recommend? And just genuine conversations. Um, and ultimately through that process, I kind of understood like, what's my gaps? Like, what's it going to take for me to get into sales? Like, what do I need to go do? And then I kind of got my game plan. Like I needed to go get certified and stuff. I started watching Ian's content like crazy. Like I started finding strategic sales content and putting like a walk-in deck together. Um, and then ultimately through one guy that I connected with, he saw potential in me and he's like, Hey man, like I should connect you with, uh, Scott, this, this guy. And Scott ended up being a manager that hired me and took a chance on me. So mm -hmm. yeah. The way I think about it is like, you got to plant the seeds, right? Just go kind of build relationships and then through the relationship, something's going to blossom. It's going to be hard with no experience to go apply cold for roles. Right. I think the other thing that I really admired about how you approached it was you were dead set on a few things that you absolutely had to have, right? You had a few non-negotiables that this is exactly what I'm looking for. And as far as I'm aware, you used to write it down regularly um, in, in a journal and, and you used to go through that process mm -hmm. uh, and then tell us about what happened ultimately when you got that offer. Yeah, well, um, so the way I so I actually want to tell a story before this and it'll kind of show you how why I did it this way. But when I got out of college, I was making 32 grand a year and I had just met my girlfriend, now wife at the time. And, um, I really wanted to move out of the house, but like 32 grand a year is like nothing in Seattle. You can't do anything with that money. So I, mm -hmm. I was big into watching Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, like all those kind of guys. And, you know, law of attraction, manifestation, make a vision, make it clear, write it every morning, meditate, see it, all that stuff. And so every morning I bought a journal and I would write down, I am making $100,000 a year plus bonus plus benefits plus stock options. That was the sentence I wrote every single morning. And then I would, under it, I would write down how it would feel when I'm there, like what my day to day looks like. I wake up, I can go to Costco and buy anything I want. I wrote that. I was like, Costco, I bought my I knife that. set. Like I were moving into our two bedroom apartment. I feel confident. I feel like, and I would just like write it out every morning. Um, and by the end of the, and during that process, I was applying like crazy to roles. So I probably applied to like 50 different roles and didn't get it. I sucked at interviewing, uh, but towards the end, I got really good. Um, and then right when I hit the last page of the journal, I kid you not, I get a random phone call while I'm at my grandparents' house. And it's a recruiter from this medical device company called Verathon. And she's like, Hey, I think like we saw your, your, uh, resume on, on, um, I don't remember what it was indeed or something. Are you still looking for a role? I was like, yeah, actually I am like, where are you guys from? And I, cause I didn't apply there. And she was just like, Oh, like we're this company. She, what are you looking for? And I was like a hundred thousand dollars a year plus bonus plus benefits plus stock options. She's like, yeah, that's doable. And it ended, I ended up getting it exactly what I wrote down. So that hooked me that this thing works. And then fast forward to sales. Um, I got super clear in terms of what I wanted. Um, 
I'm a business application sales executive at Microsoft, you know, selling to these kind of companies making, you know, um, I actually haven't hit the goal that I wrote down making it, but I got into the role, but, um, you know, make it 50 grand a year. That's what I would write. And ultimately it took me way longer. It wasn't by the end of the journal, but it took, it took me two years, but, um, but yeah, it ended up happening. That's incredible. Like it, it's, it's manifestation realized, right? You and I were talking about this last time we spoke. It's like, you can't just think it to existence. It's thinking. And then when you think those thoughts, your actions then start coinciding yeah. with that. You then align those two things and they bridge together, but it starts with the, with the thought. Now you did a lot of this stuff, um, you know, this personal development, this visualization manifestation to ultimately land sort of your dream sales role. But I'm curious, like once you actually stepped into sales, what were sort of some of the realizations that you started having, um, especially as someone who's sort of entering the field with zero experience? Yeah, I, I instantly realized I got a lot to learn. Like I had all this confidence. I think the big thing is like when you're visualizing, you end up becoming that person. Like I ended up like just embodying that being a seller at that level. So it's more the energy that attract, like then you come to that energy to meetings and they're like, yeah, man, he's a good fit. Hmm. So when I got into the role, I obviously had that same swag kind of going into the role. Like I believed that I could. Mm-hmm. And so I, honestly had success early on. Like I was my first, my first full year in sales, I hit 97% of my number. Mm -hmm. Um, but I instantly joined Ian's program. So I was like, I, I joined, I knew I didn't know anything. So I, and Ian happened to be launching the program right as I started. Mm -hmm. So I signed up like right away and I coughed up six grand and I, and I did it. And he kind of gave me the blueprint. So I would come to meetings prepared. I knew what to ask on discovery calls and I would lean on my team. I would bring my manager in a lot. Um, I would pick brains of like the successful sellers on my team. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I just had a humble attitude for sure. Like it wasn't like I knew it all. I, it was like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? It was, it was a lot of that. Yeah, it was kind of cool timing. I think um, you and I sort of crossed paths at that time because I was a client at that time as well. Um, and it's one of those things where because you're new to sales, but also you know investing in your own learning and development, you're immediately able to action and implement. What were some of your, your biggest takeaways from, from those learnings and those lessons and those sessions? What were some of your biggest takeaways? Ian's stuff you're talking yeah, about? The problem, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think... It- the mindset, the mindset, believe it or not, like I was really big into personal development. So like a lot of that belief and things, I, I feel like I've had a good grasp on that. It was like a lot of the tactical sales stuff. So like starting with territory planning, how you map out your accounts optimally, where do Mm -hmm. I focus my time mastering your message? Like Mm -hmm. there's so many people that just come in and pitch products, but well, don't pitch products, like be an expert in the problems that you solve. And I got those talk tracks down and, um, you know, went through all the pitch decks and like kind of formatted them in a way that Ian recommended. Um, and I think it helped me just like show up instantly as a trusted advisor with customers. And I think my internal experience, the fact that I was in marketing a lot and the fact that I was working internally at companies, driving things forward, I just took that same kind of approach when I was with customers, I almost like showed up to meetings being like, Hey, I'm on your team. Like, what are you guys trying to advance? And now you guys have resources from Microsoft that we can help, you know, we can help advance those for you and we can bring insights. And I just had that, again, that energy, that energy, when you come to meetings, they're like, ah, this guy's a little bit different, you know? Yeah. I love that. I think, um, that's something not enough sales people do. It's, Actually, you know, you work for Microsoft, but in the way that you're approaching your deal cycle, you actually end up working for your customer. You end up working for your prospects. Right. If you do that first, then everything else is going to work itself out. Yeah. Like when you help people get what they want, you will get what you want. And so I really like the way that you've sort of approached your business um, in that element. Now, one of the other things that you've done a really awesome job of, 
and you sort of like, you know, cemented yourself as an expert in this space is AI, AI and sales. And Microsoft as a company has been on the cutting edge of that, but you are sort of like deep diving deep into it as a sales rep as well. So <laughs> tell us a bit about how you use AI um, to be, you know, a great sales professional. Yeah. So I started playing with, it started with ChatGPT. I was on LinkedIn and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk popped up on my feed. And I'm sure you guys have seen like those, you know, green screen TikTok videos where his face is like on top of an article and it's some yeah. ChatGPT article. And he was just like, this is the most game changing technology. Like you got to go play with it. It's going to change everything. It's like the internet, when the internet first came up and that clip made me like that night, I was like, all right, screw it. I'll download it. Or I wasn't down. I just go on the site and I started playing with it. And I was like, I kid you not from like 10 PM to like 3 AM. I was on Chad GPT, just like, holy oh crap, man, you can like do anything with this thing. Um, and for some reason it instantly clicked with me for how to use it. Like I didn't really have trouble. Like I wasn't asking it search questions. I was like, I was having to create stuff. I was giving it context. I was like talking to it like it was a person. Yeah. Um, and that's the way to use it. Like I was, I always say like, think of it as the most powerful blank brain in the world. It can do anything, but you, it doesn't know what you want it to do. Like, so you're, if you say like, create me, um, an email to send to a CIO about this, it'll give you something super generic. But if you say you are a, sales executive at Microsoft, um, selling X product focused on this problem and your customer is this, and here are some, some of their industry trends, how, and then ask it a question, how can my product potentially solve some of those industry trends? Mm. Oh, and then you say, okay, well, based on that, can you create a very concise three line email, um, talking to specifically how it could help? based on this guy's personality profile. It's a way different prompt than just create me an email. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I initially started using it that night, just understanding the products I sell. Like what is dynamics? Explain it to me in a way that like a, like a fifth grader can understand. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, that's all right. Here, here's a, here's a customer story. And I copy pasted the customer story into it. Like explain it to me, tell me a story about it using the star method. So like situation, task, action, result. And I was just like, started to play with it like that. And I was like, oh my God, man, I can learn the whole product. I can do everything. And then I just started embedding it into every aspect of the sales cycle um, from territory planning, even to prospecting, to prepping for meetings, to developing point of views, to um, even role plays now. Like if you're yeah. coming up to a, like for a meeting, you can ask it using the voice feature in ChatGPT, you can ask to do a role play between you and then like you can play one side of it. So it's pretty nuts. That sounds pretty nuts. Um, and I think like, it's, it's crazy that it was able to click for you so quickly mm -hmm. within, you know, five hour period, which is nuts, but um, that's, that's amazing that you were able to get a grasp. I think a lot of sales professionals are still unsure about exactly how to use it. Mm -hmm. And they're confused about, will it actually save me time or would I, will I end up spending more time on this? I think um, like you've pointed out the quality of what you get out of AI is based on the prompts, the quality of the prompts that you put into it. Um, so if you were, you know, recommending to a brand new, um, not a brand new AE, but, but an AE who's just starting to get familiar with AI and how to use it in their deal cycles, what are maybe three to five ways that you would recommend they start using AI towards their advantage? Yeah. Um, well, luckily I'm actually putting together a course that is going to help people with that. Um, just if you're trying to figure out how to use it in your sales cycle, like an optimal way to do it. So I'll have like all the prompts and stuff in there. But the first thing I just recommend is go play with it, mm -hmm. go try to use it. And with the lens of it's like, imagine you hired an assistant that doesn't know anything about your business and you need to teach it teach the assistant what he needs to be doing. Mm. Like if you think of that and then go play with it and give it as much context as you can without giving any private information and in, like about your customers in it. That's mm -hmm. like, that's what I would say, go play with it and then be curious with it too. So like if you're, 
you know, prepping for a meeting or like, say you're building a point of view for one of your top accounts, like actually don't just think about selling your product. Like be curious. Like if you were trying to help them, what would you need to know? How do they make money? Um, you know, how are they structured? What are their different business functions? How could a product, like what are the systems that they're using? Why do they use them? How could we, you know, how could my company potentially help them? Um, what do their CIO care about? What keeps them up at night? You can just ask this kind of, these kind of questions and keep it all within that same thread. Um, and then you can say, hey, based on that, create me a point of view in the following format. So mm -hmm. I don't know, three to five is kind of hard for me to like bullet them out right now, but just go play with it. You can do it, anything with it, I feel like. It's, it's pretty incredible. AI is, is pretty incredible. It's like having a 24-7 coach literally available yeah. to you, right? Because again, you're getting feedback, you can role play, you can get somebody to make something concise for you and just get a second opinion, like a different point of view. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes a long way. It's something that, uh, you know, sales professionals, ideally, like they're searching for some of that from their manager, from their team, from their colleagues, but they almost need a third party to, to come in and give them an alternative point of view. And the great thing about AI is it never gets tired. Yeah. It's never going get, to get, get emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to cry. It's not going to complain. You have open season to ask whatever you want and really. And it's not going to judge you. It's not going to judge right. you. I think the biggest thing, like, especially for me coming in new to sales, there's been so many times where I'm on calls with people, even like managers or peers or technical people are on the phone with me and they'll say something and it just, I don't get it yet. I don't understand it. And I don't, you know, you, you wonder like, can I ask this stupid question? Like, is it stupid? Do I sound incompetent? Am I like, does it, am I showing that I shouldn't be in this role? There's so many times that goes through my head, like in terms of, you know, that's my own work, but I think, with AI, you can kind of, you know, take something you heard and just try to understand it, like at a fundamental level, kind of, you know, like Elon Musk says, first principles, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but what you said about um, time, like take the time to play with it. Yeah. I consider playing with AI an RGA, a revenue generating activity. Mm -hmm. Like if I take an hour, um, maybe not every week, but like even just a couple of hours, to understand how does this work? What are different ways that I can be, do it? What are different use cases? Are there tutorials on YouTube? Is there a course that I can take yep. to, to help me understand, you know, how can I, how can I get clear on, on using AI in my sales role? Where do you think it's, it's helped you the most? Is it, is it with saving time? Is it just having clarity of message? Like, what do you think are some of the biggest ways it's actually impacted the way that you sell and approach your customers, your prospects, et cetera? Yeah, the first one is it saves me a ton of time. Like if you think about building a relevant point of view for a customer, think about everything that you have to do today. Like say you didn't use AI. You got to go scan their website. You got to go understand what, especially if you sell a huge bag or huge bag of different products, like how do these products map to that? You know, go, um, you know, what do you put it in? A deck or a brief or, or something? You got to go talk to a bunch of people like go if you there's youtube videos of podcasts the executives did you got to go watch that it takes a while and especially if you got a builder for like five six seven accounts yeah. with with chat gpt i mean i have a set of like seven prompts that i use to instantly get that information and then now with copilot with microsoft like i don't know if you guys have played with uh have you played with PowerPoint Copilot? I haven't yet, but I think I've heard that it basically will generate an entire deck for you. Yeah, it's nuts. The... It's nuts. It's like, I, I really like Brandon Fluharty's approach to like writing, yeah. like kind of writing out your deal, like so you get a good understanding. So like, hey, here's what the company does. Like you write it out. And so I've started doing that in, in Word and I've kind of, and then you can bring in that point of view. So like, here's what this company does. Here's what I learned about them. Here's some of their priorities. And I kind of start writing that out in a, in a document. Um, and then you can literally just save that document and go into PowerPoint and go to Copilot and say, create deck from file and then select that word document. And it'll like divvy out the sections and make it incredible. And in like, crazy 15 seconds. <laughs> and then it's just like, I've done that for a customer and I've prepped for a, 
meet, like I had to deliver this whole point of view. I did it in like an hour. I think the most, the like, the most exciting thing and the scariest thing mm-hmm. about AI is is kind of what you just mentioned. Like, what you just said probably would have taken somebody like two and a half hours to do on a normal basis, right? When I was completing my decks, everything mm-hmm. all inclusive, like it was over a couple of days that I was completing a, a deck for a business yeah. days or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think the most exciting and scary thing is like, this is just version like 3.0, right? Right. 2.0. What happens when we get to version 10.0, 1500? And AI is so advanced that we could accelerate normally what would take a hundred years of advancement in like two, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think it's so important, again, back to what you said about playing with it. Because if you don't start playing with it now, when it really starts to get advanced, you're going to be most likely left in the dust. Yeah. Um, so to anyone out there listening, spend some time on it with AI. Spend some time with AI, get familiar with it and explore different ways and use your natural curiosity to see how you can use it for your sales role. But there are some things that AI can't teach you, can't coach you on. And those look like resilience, grit, um, persistence. And looking back there behind you, I see you've got, you know, a photo and some boxing gloves, all of which those, those qualities are needed in boxing as well. So yeah, I, I was scrolling Instagram maybe like t- two months ago, and I see this video of you absolutely smoking this guy in the ring. So tell me what all of a sudden you know inspired you to take on boxing um, and what sort of benefits you get from that that impact your professional career as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I started boxing like in 2015. So I've been boxing for a long time. Um, and right when I started, I've got, I got, I mean, I was always into sports and stuff, but boxing, um, I grew up playing soccer, basketball, like team sports. And then I got into lifting really good. And I started really liking the solo sports. It was kind of like you versus you. Mm. And then when I got into boxing, it was even more you versus you. Um, mm. and like we've had NBA players come through the gym and they're dying after three rounds, like, cause mm-hmm. it's just it's just a different endurance kind of thing. So it's really, it's really challenging. Um, and so I've been like sparring and boxing for a long time. And and then when my son was born, uh, he was born in July, July of 2023. So he's like five, he's five months old right now. Um, when he was born, I, but I never competed in, in boxing really. I just sparred. But when I, when he was born, I had a dream, one of the nights and in the dream he was asking me he's like hey pop you love boxing so much like why didn't you ever compete and like why didn't you ever actually go in the ring and fight like ronald fights ronald's my buddy who owns the boxing gym he's like he's fought you always sparring but you never competed why didn't you do it and in the dream i didn't know how to answer him and like the feeling i had was like this kind of shame and also like what do i say like the real answer is i was scared my parents didn't want me to do it they thought I would get hurt. They didn't want like, and I just like appeased everybody when deep down I knew I wanted to do it. Like I should do it. Um, and so right when I had that, when I woke up in the morning, I was on paternity leave anyway. And I started looking for a fight and there was a fight that was happening the weekend before I started work back up again. So I signed up, like got my USA boxing thing and, um, license. Yeah. Yeah. And then just committed and trained and i did it that's crazy man how did it feel because you won the freaking thing you knocked well yeah i think you got a tko on that um yeah how did how did that feel for you again it's another it's another example i think of manifestation Mm -hmm. like you saw it you committed to it and you did it so what'd you what'd you get from that yeah it was uh it was it was exhilarating it was really fun um you feel powerful. Uh, when I was, the training was kind of grueling because it was like, you know, you, you, uh, you know, run in the morning, like six miles, you spar four times a week, getting your ass whooped. Uh, and then, you know, you're boxing six times a week and I got hurt. Like I, I signed up for, um, 
a new boxing gym kind of in my area where there's like a lot of pros. It's like David Benavidez gym. So like, I don't oh, know if you know him. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's his boxing gym. So there's a bunch of pros that come through there. And I was there and I was sparring with guys that were like, I'm, I fought at 175 and there was guys that were like 240 and that's why I was sparring. So I, I hurt my ribs early on and I was just like in my head, like, oh man, am I going to be able to do it? Whatever. Every time I got hit, it hurt like different things, but it was like, I committed. So I had to do it. And I told so many people about it that I was just like, man, I can't back out now. So yeah. it was really like the fact that I said it, committed, did it, and it ended in a, you know, second round KO. It was like very empowering. Well, congratulations. It looked empowering and I was very jealous. I, uh, I actually have been a, been a boxing match, but it was, it was far less formal. It was, um, in Thailand, there's this bar in Thailand and they take volunteers from the audience and yeah. you go in. there's no weight classes. There's none of that. So I was fighting a 300 pounder <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got, I got starched, uh, over three. Oh yeah. And then it's, it is genuinely the, like when I got out of that ring, I had so much more respect for boxers because it was three, one minute rounds. By the end of the first round, I just felt like I didn't have any air left in my lungs. Yeah. Like it was, I don't. It's it's next level training, grit. You know those yeah. qualities. Those those qualities I was talking about: grit, perseverance, um, you know, resilience, are definitely defined in boxing. Did you find that there were there are things, and maybe the answer is, is no, but do you find that there are things that you've translated from your experience with boxing to now your sales career? There's definitely parallels. I feel like I need to reflect on it a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like during the fight, during the fight, it's different like training. I've been training for so long, but then during the fight, I just remember like he would hit me and in my head, I was like, dude, there's no way you're going to take me out. Like you're going down. And like, if you watch the fight, I'm just coming forward the whole time. And he was kind of like tagging me up in the first round a little bit. But in my head, I was just like, there's just no way. And I knew that I would win. And I knew that I would like in before the fight, I was like, I'm gonna knock this guy out. I just feel it. And I feel like that's big in sales where it's like kind of belief. Like you believe that you're going to hit your number. You believe you're going to go do it because you're going to get hit. And you might, you know, you might lose some deals, but you know, it's coming. You know, something's going to come. And I think like that, that mindset and that attitude is like very, very transferable. This episode of Winning Streaks is brought to you by Untap Your Sales Potential. Two years ago, I was blindly navigating my role as an account executive at Salesforce. I didn't have any structure or any organization in my approach. And if you would have asked me what my strategy was, I would have told you that I was just throwing as much at the wall as possible and seeing what sticks. This led me to extreme burnout, high levels of anxiety, and frankly, a complete lack of fulfillment from my role as a sales professional. It honestly made me even wonder if I was even cut out to be in sales. That's when I found the Untap Your Sales Potential coaching program. Founded by Ian Koniak, Untap Your Sales Potential is a sales coaching program that teaches the exact frameworks, processes, and strategies that have helped Ian close over $100 million in sales across industry giants such as Rico and Salesforce. With multiple number one finishes and seven-figure years, Ian's expertise is unparalleled. This program will help you access the mindset, habits, and selling skills of the top 1% of tech sales professionals. After I started working with Ian, I ended up finishing number one on my team two years in a row, closed over $3.6 million in sales, and earned my spot at President's Club. Most importantly, it helped me rediscover my purpose and experience true fulfillment. But don't just take my word for it. We've had over 150 students go through this coaching program with many of them shattering income records, exceeding their quotas and achieving levels of success they never thought possible. So if you're ready to level up and untap your sales potential, visit untapyoursalespotential.com and book a free strategy call with me where we'll talk through where you're struggling, where you'd like to improve and how we can help. Again, that's untapyoursalespotential.com to book your free strategy call today. Now let's get back to the show. Another piece is like, when you do something hard, like box or work out or go, you know, run marathons or whatever, stuff like sales is easy. Like calling an executive is easy. Like I remember when I would, um, I worked at my last company and I would spar with my buddy 
in the morning, like 5 a.m. We would do 5 a.m. sparring sessions, and then I would go to work right after. And it would be like 7.30, and people are rolling in at like 9, tired. And I remember like I'm just sitting there like I just went like six rounds. It's like, this is easy. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is nothing. So it's like doing hard stuff makes real life easier. That's a next level of mindset. When you when you can train yourself to do hard things outside of work, mm-hmm. the hard things at work are not that hard anymore. Yeah. Is what I is what I hear that you're saying. Like it kind of reminds me of like David Goggins can't hurt me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just putting himself through physical and mental torture um, with these ultra marathons and stuff. But his whole thing is that it's just like, like it really brings into perspective, like, okay, you're jumping into a room with an executive or you've got this like big work meeting coming up or whatever it may be. But I just ran 20 miles. Right? Yeah. I just like had a sparring session. You know what I mean? That, that was far more taxing yeah. than this will ever be. Um, and there's something about like the primal aspect of fighting where it's like when you fight another man or like another person, then you get into a call with another man that who cares if he's a CIO or a CEO or he's worth however much money. It doesn't really matter. Like we just, I just fought somebody like you're, right. I'm talking it like, it's just, it do, it takes it down, it takes the stakes down a lot, a lot. Cause it's just like, you're just talking, you're just talking to another guy. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It, it really humanizes people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that. I think that's one of the, not, I wouldn't say mixed mistakes, but it's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of salespeople run into myself included, which is Me too. put executives on this pedestal, right? I get butterflies when, when having those conversations, but when you realize they're just as human as you are, you know, we all put our pants on the same way every day. Yeah. It just makes it easier. It lifts off some of that, some of that stress and that anxiety from it. Um, but that's it. First of all, incredible win and congratulations again. I think it just goes to show more of your commitment to not just, um, you know, success, but in sales, but like personal development. So, cause you're applying it in multiple areas of your life, including boxing, including exercising and your health, et cetera. What would you say from a, from a self-improvement, personal development standpoint, talk to us about some of the things that you do tactically on a regular basis to you know keep going and keep yourself motivated keep yourself energized keep yourself focused uh yeah um also i gotta save some time at the end of the call so i can compliment you too man because i I feel like the reason me and you get along is because we're on the same wavelength and you're you're into a lot of the same stuff and i gotta give you kudos on finding that 300 pound guy even having the balls to get in the ring so that's uh (laughs) i just feel like you're um anyway uh this is the yeah the the routines i have so i've been journal you know journaling meditating reading every morning like that's kind of my my thing like wake up um do some push-ups i fall asleep easily when i wake up so just like do some get get the body moving and then um journal so like gratitude gratitude goals journal and then meditate i really like doing tony robbins visualization is like a 14 minute thing on YouTube where it's a guided one. So you do this kind of like do this like big breathing thing. And then you, you do some gratitude. You you see your vision and then, um, then get after it, start working. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's really the big thing. Uh, that's like the morning routine. And then, um, working out every day, and filling your head with good stuff. Like I'm a big believer in like controlling what you're putting in your head. So if you're watching like on social media a lot or reading the news and getting all that fear in your head, try to fill your head with good stuff. There's so much good stuff on YouTube and people putting out positive things. So like I watch a lot of Ed Milet, Tony Robbins, um, Jim Rohn, Les Brown, like a lot of just legends. Legends. Yeah. Yeah positive, positive stuff that, sh- that, that instills belief in you. Um, that's kind of what I, what I do. Belief is the most important thing. Belief is the most important thing. I think, um, whether it's belief in yourself, uh, belief in your product and your service, your solution that you're selling, um, belief in your process, belief in your actions. Um, 
Now, obviously you have to take the right actions, but I think it all starts with belief because if you're walking in, you know, with your cup half full, then you're not going to put the same level of effort, energy, and focus into the activities and actions that you're actually executing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it starts with that. And I think one of the ways that you've gone about doing that, as you mentioned, is the visualization, right? Using that visualization to cultivate some of that belief. Can you, um, walk us through what a visualization actually like looks like, like, what are you visualizing? Are you visualizing, uh, you know, what your W2 is going to look like? Are you visualizing, you know, a six pack abs, which I know you have, um, you know, what are you seeing and what's the process that you're going through when you're, when you visualize? Yeah, it's a really good, that's a really good question. I, I can't say it's the same every time. One thing that's the same every time is the feelings. Like, so like there's a, if anybody knows Joe Dispenza, um, mm -hmm. he's big in like, there's all, he's a big in the quantum field. And they say like a thought is a, is, um, electric. And then the heart is magnetic. So like when you're, when you're, when you have a thought, you kind of attract it on the electro, you, you got it on the electromagnetic field, but the heart is what magnetizes it to you. And so like thinking is the vision of whatever you want. Like you see yourself walking in to a, you know, the office building that you now work out or, or like into a boardroom with your biggest customer. Like that's like some of the things that I, that I visualize, like, but the feeling is, man, I'm up there chest out. I feel confident. I feel confident in the solution. I feel, um, unstoppable, powerful. Like that's the, the feeling I feel love. Um, so it's a lot of that. It's like, you see, you got the picture, but what's the feeling like? And if you can embody that, that's like a big piece of the, of the visualiz visualization. I think it's kind of like a little bit, um, yeah, visualization makes it think like you're all pictures in your head, but it's more like it's the heart, I think. So what I'm hearing is you're not, it's not just about seeing certain images or, you know, videos in your head. It's also about sort of like putting your body into this. You're like, you're trying to get more into, into your body. Like you're trying to feel more about like, okay, like how, how would I actually look like, feel like if I was to, I don't know, close that big deal or yeah. press that meeting or whatnot. And, you know, usually then, you know, your shoulders would, would sit back, your chest would be out. Mm -hmm. You're sort of confident. Is that, is that kind of what I'm understanding here? Yeah. Yeah. Like take a money. Like I've had a lot of money goals, for example, like, yeah, I, I visualize my, my dashboard on my, on my computer where it shows how much we get paid at a specific number. I visualize like my, my bank account. Um, but I also visualize like how I feel the fact that I did it, like what my wife is saying to me, like, man, and what, you know, what I'm able to do now for my kids, the confidence that I have, the security that I have, and I put myself there. Tony Robbins has a really good thing. Like he, it's similar to like his gratitude practice. So it's kind of like if you're on a roller coaster, if you're like on a roller coaster, if you're watching the roller coaster from far away, you can kind of see the roller coaster going. But imagine yourself like at the front of a roller coaster going down, going down it. Like if you close your eyes and you feel yourself going down, you feel it in your gut. You can like be there. That's like what you want to be when you visualize. Mm. I, I did one of dispense. I've done a couple of dispensas, one hour meditations, 45 minute, 50 minute, one hour meditations. And I did one on my honeymoon and it was like, you know, cause we were at an all inclusive. It was like back pool, yeah. like nice breeze. And it just afterwards, it felt so good. And I felt like there was a couple of things that I was visualizing that I felt were so vivid. Like I could really, once you really sit into it and relax into it, it feels so real that when you open your eyes, mm -hmm. you can't, it's hard to disassociate what you just saw yeah. from real life. So I almost feel like what it causes you to do is then in real life, start carrying that same energy, mm -hmm. start carrying yeah. that same level of, you know, bravado and, and Absolutely. feeling, et cetera. Absolutely. It's kind of like our hat, like, we're, we're pretty much like the way we operate our, anybody, the way we operate our lives, it's all like a set of habits. And those are like just grooves in our brain that we've done so many times. When your boss calls you, you have a certain feeling. 
or like it's it's just a, like a habit. Any boss that's called you has that feeling. And it's probably related to how when your dad called you, it's like a, it's like a feeling. So if you could, the whole point of visualization is to like form new grooves in your brain that you want to have happen, and yeah. then it'll help like. And then ultimately you end up leading your life when you're not visualizing in those new grooves and then everything changes. Yep. You know? That's why what you said earlier about like feeding your brain with positive stuff is so right. important because it's all programming. Like our computer, our, our brains are supercomputers, mm -hmm. which, you know, process millions of pieces of information. Even right now, you know, you and me in this conversation, that's, that's happening. Exchange of information, processing, understanding, and if we're not programming or recoding or reprogramming in the right ways and pathways, then we're just going to be, uh, we're going to be a condition. We're going to be a result, a sum of our circumstances, of our past, of our environments that we put ourselves in. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard a, a quote recently, I have no idea who said it, but they said that, um, you know, when you are born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your choices. Interesting. So I oh. thought that was super powerful because I think it represented it well as we can't choose, you know, where we come from, you know, certain aspects of our upbringing, you know, what sort of was, was instilled in terms of beliefs and principles. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, you know, I had a solid upbringing. I'm not saying it's bad in any sense, but it's about, okay, going forward based on the goals and the vision that I see for the future, what do I want to program my head with if i want to uh become a millionaire i need to believe that i can become a millionaire i need to have that belief so can i listen to ed Milet? can i listen to tony robbins can i listen to um jim Rohn to start instilling some of that belief and see that it's possible to get there um so anyway i just went on a tangent but no. All of that to say you're, you're bang on, right? These grooves, that's the, that's this old programming that needs to be, be replaced with new programming. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned your, your kids and I, I never got to officially congratulate you, but congratulations on, on the birth of your son. Um, nice. You said July, 2023. And, um, you know, like no doubt you're an incredible father. What are some of the ways that you've gone about trying to balance being a father of two kids and also, you know, a husband with trying to be a top performing sales professional. Like what are some of the challenges that you've run into and how have you sort of addressed them? Uh, I have, I don't have this part figured out. Mm. I'm struggling with it. Um, I've, I've always been so like, you know, we talk about goal setting, we talk about all these different things that, you know, visualization, accomplishment, achievement, I've been always been good at that, really good at that. And uh, my goals have always been kind of personally focused. It's my, my job, my goal. But that's like, that's not me anymore. I'm a family man. I'm a dad, you know, I'm a husband. So my, my new goal is I'm a leader for my family. Like I'm a aspirational leader for my family. So it's my job to create an environment of peace, of ease, of, you know, structure for my family. So like my goal has changed a little bit and I'm working on it. I'm, I'm like totally not there. And it's like, you know, as we're talking, like I hear the, I hear the baby in the other room and then like, you know, I'm, I wake up in the morning and I want to get after it, but no, I got to get my son and I got to hold him so my wife can get some sleep because he's waking up six times during the night, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a battle. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer the question. I, I think it's just be, knowing what phase you are in life and being okay with it, being in the present, which is hard for me because I'm always in the future. Like, yeah. thinking about, like, how do I get after it? How do I, how do I get this thing done? I need to spend more time. Tony Robbins would be working more, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, honestly, it's probably the opposite of everything we talked about. Like try to lessen all the noise you put in your head, be in the present moment, uh, have faith that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Um, give yourself grace, but still believe that it's still, it's all coming. You know, it's still, it's still coming. It doesn't mean I actually had a friend of mine tell me, um, you got to separate 
effort and results. Like, yeah, effort, like putting in effort is going to, is going to, you know, could lead to results. But there's people, he can give me an example. He's like, how about the guy who invented the pool noodle? He's like, the guy who invented the pool noodle, probably some on, on some beach somewhere, rich shit. <laughs> And he's like, he's got more results than all these guys grinding like crazy. He's just like, he's like, you, you, you're going to get the results. You're the kind of guy that's going to get the results, but like be where you're at. It's coming, dude. And yeah. he kind of told me that I'm just like, oh man. Yeah. So anyway, sure, I think long ass so answer to say that I'm still in the thick of it, man. I don't know. I don't know. What no, I'm I think that's so important that you mentioned that because, you know, uh, I love Tony Robbins. I love like all these gurus that we've talked about that we look up to and that we aspire to be. Um, but there are certain things that when I now think about my life, like, it's like, okay, I can learn something from this person, but I don't know if I would actually want to put myself in their shoes. Mm. I don't know if I would want to, you know, sacrifice my time with family to this amount, or I'm not saying that they do. I'm just saying in general, like, I want to make sure that on my path, my personal version of success includes things like being present for my family, being present for my kids, you know, being present for the the events and experiences of life and actually trying to live a, a full life yeah um not just trying to chase success or achievement that's something that i've struggled with i'm like you db like i i always live in the future you know i'm always thinking about the next thing the next accomplishment the next achievement but i think more recently i've been able to at least mentally try and balance that with like okay it's date night it's date night there's nothing yeah. else happening you know um and I think that's what leads, leads to more fulfillment because I went through it multiple times where I achieved the achievement that I had visualized, mm -hmm. but it doesn't just, it just doesn't quite hit, uh, after a while. Cause you keep wondering what the next thing is. Yep. And that's why I think it's important to balance those two sides. Someone that I look up to, uh, Russell Brunson, uh, he's like a very famous internet marketer but he made a video about success and he defines success as achievement and fulfillment and to make sure that you're filling both of those cups up because you can't have one without the other. Um, so anyway, all that to say, man, I, I know you're an absolute rock star of a father and I know that's going to continue to be the, be the case. Um, where can people learn more about you, connect with you, you know, send you DM, so on and so forth. Yeah. The best place is LinkedIn. Daniel Bordyansky. So I'm sure you'll see, you'll see my name. I could, I could spell it out for you, but I'm sure it'll be somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll pop that in the, in the show notes. Um, before we go, what's one last piece of advice you would give my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Set a vision, make it clear and flood yourself with belief. And the way you do that is by writing it down, saying it to yourself, like a crazy person doing guided visualizations all that stuff. I believe in that, that like no other. So do that. Um, make it something you really want. Do that. And then, and then take action, but the action is going to come. If you do that enough, you're almost like inadvertently going to take the actions. So do that. Per perfect way to recap, uh, our conversation day. I appreciate you DB. Thanks so much for coming on to winning streaks and, uh, we'll see you all on the next episode of the podcast. Cheers. Thanks brother.